Welcome to the Men Are The Prize podcast. This is a safe space for men just like you to be open, vulnerable, and emotional. Every week, a new case study steps out of his comfort zone to discuss masculinity. Using the prize mantra, we discuss important aspects of being a man. This is the who, what, where, when, and how of manhood. Men are the prize podcast. It's Harvey, your host. I am here. How are you? How's the week, the month? How is life? How is that mission? How is that plan that you put into place? Have you hit everything you've wanted to? Are you still working on it? I hope so. I hope you're not letting the little things stop you. I hope you're continuing to succeed. Another great guest. This is interesting. I've actually been thoroughly excited to speak to this gentleman. And I think it's going to be a little bit of a departure from what we've um, done in the past. But I think it's going to be good. My guest this week is Eric Everhard. How are you today, sir? Fabulous. Glad to be here. How are you? I'm well. Thank you very much. Um, here is a bio. I enjoy a good bio. And let's get right to it. Eric Everhard is one of the top paid and most recognized performers in adult films of the last two decades. He has won numerous male performer awards, awards and has been enshrined in the Hall of Fame of the AVN and XRCO organizations. In 2010, he embarked on a transformational journey studying NLP at one of the top institutions in America. Since then, he has dedicated his time and effort to helping high achievers by teaching them elite level sexual skills in order to master the bedroom like they dominate the boardroom. It is an interesting transition to go from what you did in the bedroom and move it into the, you know, the business world. So I think that'll be a good conversation to get to. Um, what I want to start with is this. Can you just for the audience, because I imagine we're going to get into masculinity and talking about being a man and such. Can you give our listeners or watchers a brief introduction into how you got into your adult film industry? Wow. Well, how did I get in? That was me being in school. I was attending massage therapy school at the time in Vancouver, British Columbia. And at lunch break, I opened up the newspaper and I see this ad and it's looking for uh, women and couples do a you know, porno movie. And I thought to myself, wow, I've never, never heard about that before. And there was an ex-girlfriend of mine who used to joke. She would say, well, you know, you know, wink, wink, nudge, nudge, nudge. You'd be good at that. And uh, I thought, wow, Jesus, you know, here's the opportunity. So I called them, I called them, I called them and they hung up on me time and time again. And then I let it go. And I said, okay, fine. And it was about seven months later, uh, same scenario, lunch break. I'm there having my lunch, open the newspaper, bam, there's that ad again. So I put a little more effort into it. I, I stayed calling and, uh, and trying, to, trying to get some traction. And one time the owner of the company, he picked up the phone and he said, well, you know, why don't you come on down? We can take some Polaroids of you, you know, see if you've got the, you know, quote unquote equipment to do it. And maybe one day somewhere you could maybe get a job. I said, oh, hey, they're being hung up on. 
So went down there, knocked on the door. Uh, they said, hey, are you Mitch? That's my real name. And I said, yep. And they just deadpan looked me in the eyes right there and said, hey, can you fuck a girl for us right now? And I was just like, ah, uh, yep. <laughs> you know, it was, <laughs> it was the last thing that I was expecting I was going to be doing that day. You know, I was, I was 21 years old and just scared, you know, scared shitless. And there I was. And then it was like, okay, you got to do this. So there was no time to, you know, prepare or do anything. I was just thrown into the fire and, uh, and I was able to do it. No problem. And really, I just thought that's going to be a great story when I'm in the old folks home. Like I thought when I'm retired, you know, when I'm, when I'm me and the other 85 year old guys are playing poker, I'm going to be like, remember that one time. <laughs> yeah. There was no, no thoughts that this was going to be a career. And uh, yeah, it was about three days later. I was in my apartment and my phone rang and it was them. And they said, Hey, if you come by and do that again. Okay. And then, uh, then it was later on. The guy that used to edit all their stuff, he pulled me aside and he said, hey, you know, the owner will never, never tell you this, but you are really good at this. You should think about going down to L.A. You could make some serious money. And I mean, you know, again, 21, I'm like, what? There's money in this? So, yeah. It was an interesting road, to be sure. I imagine. Um, I think when I think of the adult film industry, I think specifically we'll talk about the women and I think there's this whole, and it may be true, this idea that the women who are in it were abused, you know, there's, they come into doing it because of something that's happened in their past. They're a porn star because of this or because of that. And it feels like more and more, a lot of the women who do it because they want to, they enjoy sex and they recognize they can make money doing it. So if it's all right with you, I would ask, I mean, is there anything in your history, anything in your past growing up? Is there some dysfunction that people might assume is there that led you to, wow, I can do this? Or is it just that you happen to be really good and a girl's like, you should do this? You know, I will say this. I'm, I don't think there's anybody that gets into the business that doesn't have some, some piece of them that's broken in some fashion. I mean, it's kind of universal, in my opinion, and not to say it's something major, but everybody's got something right. Um, even myself. I mean, growing up, I was the uh, I was I remember I was because people see me with the six pack abs and they're like, oh, man, you must have been like that your whole life. I was the fattest kid in school growing up. Wow. So I, I was the guy that got that got brutally teased and 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 all of that. Right. So I think everybody that gets into the business has something that pushes them because it's not it's not normal i mean i know people that are hypersexual and they're not able to step in front of the camera and and do that so it's really it's a unique breed of person that can do it okay all right that makes sense yeah. that makes sense yeah. all right so before we dive into the questions and the prize I like to mention to listeners and watchers, first of all, if this is the first time you picked a hell of an episode to join up. So thanks for coming. And I appreciate it. What I will say that this is for men. And the reason I do this is because I think men 
we don't talk about our issues, our struggles, ups, downs, whatever's bothering us, depression, anxiety, whatever. We keep it inside. And this is an opportunity for men to speak, to get it out. I think a lot of the issues we may have, confidence, whatever, a lot of times if we just get it out, we'll feel better and then recognize that we're not alone in a lot we're going through. So that's what this is. I don't diagnose. I can't tell you what's going on. What I can tell you, what I can show you is that men who speak up, who talk about what's going on, tend to be more successful. And that's what I'm here to help you with. This, we talk about masculinity here and the idea of speaking to a porn star, a male porn star felt like it fit. Because for men, masculinity is what we can provide and what we typically can do in the bedroom. And I thought that's, this is an interesting way to talk about this. And we'll get into that with this. Prize is my favorite word. It's part of the title of this podcast. I take four of the letters. They have words. And we use those words to kind of go over characteristics that I think are good ones for men. The first letter in the word prize is P. The word is purpose. Reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. So, Eric, what is your purpose now? Yeah, now my purpose is to deliver all the knowledge that I got from the last 24 years of this crazy experiment and use it to help men because they would never have access to this kind of information. It's just not possible. It's just not possible. I mean, I look back at my career and, you know, and, and let's step back and just leave the morality out of it. Right. So let's look at it more from, from an experiment. And if you are consciously aware and your eyes are open, you can learn a hell of a lot about women after sleeping with 5,000 of them. You can, right. And you start to, you start to connect the dots in almost in terms of, of the matrix, right? Like you start to see the, the binary parts of women that are always the same across all of them. So you really start to see the principles, the overarching principles that get women off, that work in the bedroom, and that are successful. And you can take those principles and apply them to all the women. And literally, it'll work every time. So this was sort of what I parsed out because I, I figured these things out. And then even with my civilian friends, I'd be mentioning things and they look at me like, what? <laughs> and, and so later on, uh, one girlfriend of mine, she was the one that uh, pushed me into it because she said, look, you know, I don't know what the hell you're doing in bed, but it really works and you should write a book or something. And that stuck with me. And I said, you know what? It would, it would be disingenuous of me to die having all this knowledge and, you know, gone through this crazy journey and not at least shared it with guys because it's apparent to me that they do not understand this stuff. And there's no access. You know, you look at it from the men's world at large. Women, they've got their girlfriends. They've got Cosmo magazine. They've got every TV show helping women this. What's out there for men? And if we step back to kind of what you were talking about with the masculinity piece, well, 
you cannot separate your sexual performance from masculinity. I don't see any way that you ever can. Like it's part of masculinity. And I think it's also part of the burden of man. And if we kind of look at it through that lens, at least that's how I do. Well, either you can step up and kind of embrace that burden that, okay, I, I'm the one that has to perform here. Or, you know, you become one of those guys that you say, okay, I'm peace out. I'm not, uh, I'm not going to play this game and, and I'm, you know, going to go be celibate or whatever you want to do. But, you know, in terms of sexuality, women are the deciders. They are, you go to a bar, you go somewhere, the girl is choosing, right? And, you know, David Data used to say it best, you know, choose the girl that chooses you. But that's where their decision making ends because you go in the bedroom. So they've, they've 100% made the decision because like I said, you know, if she's remotely good looking and she says, Hey, anybody want to fuck me? I mean, we're all as guys putting our hands up, right? We're like, Hey, pick me, pick me. I'm ready. Put me in coach. Right. Um, but when it gets to the bedroom, it, it's all us. She can want to have sex with you. She might be the biggest tigress in heat ever. If you can't get it up, it's not happening. You know, mm-hmm. you suffer from premature ejaculation and you fire off in 10 seconds. It's over. It's not happening. So once we go into the realm of the bedroom now, now the, 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 the act is all up to us as men. And that's something that, you know, I want to tell guys, look, don't shy away from it. Like, get the knowledge, learn the techniques, and then embrace it because you can be amazing in bed. You know, you just haven't ever been taught how. Nobody's giving you the manual. Nobody's giving you the guide. And most guys are just out there kind of floundering. And if it doesn't work right away for them, now what happens is they go into their psyche and then they can end up with um, premature ejaculation problems or performance anxiety problems that are all psychogenic because they start psyching themselves out. You know, there's only so many issues that are really medical. Most of it's all in your head. Excuse me. What I find interesting is that you had a woman who told you, you know, you're really good at this. You should do that. I don't know if this is a strange question. Why didn't she suggest that you become like a sex therapist or something? Now, the act, because she'd been with you and knew exactly how good you are, it seems that she sent you in a different direction. Why not have you be the professional guy? You could probably give this information to a bunch of men. If you're like, listen, this is what I used to, well, you weren't even at that place yet. But if you were able to talk to men, I'm the therapist and I can get into your mind so that we can get down there and you can succeed. With, could, would that have been something you could have done? Are you talking way back when I first started? Right. Oh, yeah, but that was a totally different, uh, different situation as well. Um, I had the equipment. I did not have the knowledge like I do now, not at all. Right. I mean, that was um, that was my second girlfriend actually at the time. So I was I was just like every other guy. I was floundering out there, you know, just trying to figure it out, just like everybody else. And but once I once I got into the business that learning rapidly ramped up and then I started to see things and I started to 
see how things worked. I started to see how I could hack my own body because biohacking became a really big thing because if you're going to be in the upper echelon of upper echelon of male performers, you're only as good as your last job. Like nobody cares what you did last month. Nobody even cares what you did last week. What did you do yesterday and what are you doing today? And so it's really a dog eat dog business from that perspective. So even for me, it was like, okay, well, much like a trained athlete, and that's how I always took my job. It was as an athlete. Okay, well, what things can allow me to perform the best? You know, what are my daily supplements? What are my food? What is my sleep? What is the masturbation schedule? What is all these other things that now I can also use to last as long as I need to? Or if I get into an issue, well, how can I combat it? Because we've, every guy in the business has experienced that where you show up on set, you're sensitive, 30 seconds in, you're feeling like, okay, this is going to be over. And then you look at the clock and you think to yourself, wow, damn, I got another 59 minutes and 30 seconds to go. Hmm, I better figure this out, right? Because otherwise, I'm not getting paid. And that's sort of the big, the big difference between people in their normal lives and kind of what I had to go through and why it allowed me to really sharpen my skills and learn things out of necessity. Because if I didn't figure it out, I wasn't getting paid and nobody else was getting paid. Like imagine you're on a set and there's 10 to 20 people whose entire paycheck and livelihood is all riding on my ability to obtain an erection or nobody's getting paid, you know, everything's falling apart. So, so in, when you're in that sort of scenario, you're like, okay, I, it's, it's not like I'm just worried about Susie or, or Janine being upset that I don't perform. Like if I was at home, no, now I've got, I've got a, a company, I've got directors, I've got family men, I've got makeup artists, I've got locations, I've got all these people who are depending on me to, to figure this out. So it really gives a sense of urgency and it really helped me to figure out, okay, in the craziest of scenarios, how can I gain conscious control of my body? And that's the big thing that I preached to guys. I said, it's not, it's not about lasting two hours. It's not about anything. In my opinion, mastery is simply conscious control, your ability to call your shot. So you can say when and how I'm getting hard and you can say when and how I'm ejaculating. And depending on the scenario will depend on how you want that to be, right? If it's a quickie with the wife in the kitchen before the, the kids come home, yeah, getting it off in a minute or two would probably be a good thing, right? I've, I've worked with men where they have problems ejaculating within two hours because they've moved so far to the other side of the equation and it's just as bad. Their girlfriends hate them because, you know, the girl, the girl's done at 25 minutes and then she starts to get sore. And then she's like, Hey, get the fuck off me. Like you can't figure it out. Like we're done over. And, and, and how's that for a sex life either. Right. It's uh, so either side of the spectrum isn't good. You know, what you want to have is you want to have that conscious choice. And that comes from having that conscious control. It's amazing. It's 
hearing you talk about it, it's a level, obviously in the bedroom for men, there's this level of pressure because like you mentioned, it's us. We get chosen, but then from then on in, it's our job. We got to get to it. So there's a level of pressure that a lot of guys grow up dealing with and live with pretty much our whole lives. So to add on the fact that you being able to fuck somebody depends somebody's being able to pay off their electric bill or pay for their car depends on you keeping an erection really shines a light on just the pressure that you deal with. Sex is just life for us, but for you, it's life and it's limb for people. It's my house, it's my car, it's everything. So I applaud your ability or your ability then to do something like that. Um, was the world competitive? Was Were what you, specifically? The, the, I guess, the adult film industry. Was it competitive? Was it like? Oh, very competitive. Very competitive. Um, same like any, any business um, where you have lots of egos and lots of money. Uh, of course, yeah, it can get very competitive. And you would have, you would have rankings that generally the talent would be thrust into. So they would always say, okay, this is quote unquote, a list talent, B list and, you know, C or D list. And, and that's where you got put, right. And it was all based on certain factors for women. It was mostly based off looks, sometimes performance. And for men, it was based off performance. And then, you know, ancillary factors as well but but back in the day when i started yeah it was really performance that was that was number one okay okay would you suggest or if you met a guy and i'm sure you have is this a business that you would say hey you should go for it to someone no i mean i i i tell guys all the time you know, and I don't mean to discourage them, but I say, look, it's really tough monumentally. And I have also seen the thousands of guys that have failed. So I always say, well, if it's something that you really want to do, it's only worth doing if you can be in that upper echelon. Like if you go in thinking like, hey, you know, I could really be a superstar, sure. But if you're going to be some average to below average performer, no, not at all. Because remember, you do sacrifice a lot to do it, right? I mean, in, in terms of your privacy and just in terms of how people will perceive you going forward in life. Um, you know, and, and, and any sort of private life. I mean, you know, I get, I get recognized all the time. So I, I certainly always tell all my girlfriends who I am, what I do, because I know, and I've been there before where I'm out and about and, you know, thankfully my, my girls know what I do, but you know, someone will be like, Oh my God let's take a selfie, Eric Everhart, all this stuff. And if, if I told her I was, you know, like some accountant or something, she'd be like, what's going on? <laughs> You're a celebrity accountant? How'd I mean, that happen? <laughs> yeah. I mean, the, 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 the funniest thing, I could tell you a funny story about that. 
funniest thing I ever had was I was on this date with a girl who I had met um, a week prior. And again, you know, she knew who I was, right? So it wasn't, I was always very upfront. And uh, we're dancing on the dance floor and this group of seven guys goes walking through the dance floor, turn their head and see me and go, and I'm like, I can see the look on their face. I'm like, oh, here it comes. And they come over. (laughs) They're like, oh my God, Eric Everhart, blah, blah. And they turn to the girl and they go, do you know who this is? This is Eric Everhart. Have you seen his dick? His dick is like this big. Oh, you got to fuck him, girl. You got it. And I'm just, you imagine my face, right? I'm like, oh my God, this is not really happening right now. I mean, she she got a hell of a laugh out of it, right? right. I mean, what a first date thing to go on. But it was, you could imagine how that could, could have turned out if I had said, right. oh, I'm an insurance salesman, right? So, yeah, I mean, with, with guys, I, I'm just up front. You know, I say, look, um, it's just as hard on guys as it is on girls. It's hard in different ways. But you really need to be able to control your emotions, right? Because, you know, and this is something that, that I've learned to do really well. And I find that really translates to my clients. Because, you know, when you're in the heat of battle, as I like to call it, you know, you're in the bedroom. Um, maybe things aren't going the way you'd like them to. How can you reset your mind? How can you now focus on what you can do? You know, how can you will yourself to get an erection, even though things are going against you? Because, you know, I've seen the guys that absolutely go through mental anguish on a set. Because it's one thing if you are home by yourself and you're with your significant other and you don't get it up and hey, okay, didn't work out this time, but let's go have breakfast and we'll forget about it, right? It's a whole nother thing when there's 30 people around and you totally bomb and you totally fail and you're there for hours and the girl hates you because hey, she wants to go home and the the lighting crew, I mean, they're just looking at their watches and now they're talking about you behind your back. Now these other people are upset. And then, you know, later on, people start talking around the business about how you bombed and how you failed. And, you know, and then maybe, you know, people watch the movie and then they say, oh, wow, you were woodless the whole time in that movie. And it it just, it's tough for a guy's psyche to take. And so that's why I say, well, you know, you have to, you have to learn how to control your emotions. I mean, it's, it's almost like, in some ways, it's almost like a version of stoicism if you're going to be a really good performer because, you know, or you know, I, I often use the analogy of a, a goalkeeper in the NHL. You know, the best goalies, it's always 0-0. Zero, zero. doesn't matter. That goal goes in, still 0-0. Zero, zero. And you really have to just reset your mind, reset your body because, Man, I've been there in some crazy places where I even shocked myself that I was able to pull it off. Um, And I thought to myself after, I'm like, Jesus, like you really can, like the power of the mind is so powerful um, more than anything because you can really will yourself to get hard. It's just how, how bad do you want it? And are you able to really limit and park the negative thoughts, focus on the sensations and believe in yourself. You can do that. You can, you can, you can do almost anything. Okay. 
Let's move on. The next letter in the word prize is R. The word is resilience. The capacity to recover quickly from difficulties and toughness. So can you think of a situation in life, something has happened to you where you discovered you had a resilience that you didn't know that you had? Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, I can think about particularly when I moved down to Los Angeles to, to become an actor. That was, that was my first real taste of what it is to be resilient because I remember I had no friends, I had nobody, and I had no opportunities. I had come down from Canada. I had a tiny gym bag that had, I think, three T-shirts, two pairs of jeans, toothbrush. That was it because, you know, I, I said I was going for the weekend. I didn't say, <laughs> didn't say I was going down to Los Angeles. Right. And a buddy gave me $300 and was able to rent a one-room cockroach-filled apartment in North Hollywood for one month. And then got back on a plane and said, it's all up to you, kid. And I remember sleeping just on the floor. I didn't have a bed. I didn't have a mattress. There were no pillows. It was just my jeans and my T-shirts under, under my head. And for a month straight, I ate cans of chunk light tuna with mustard, and I would have one bagel. And I was determined to be able to, you know, make my mark in the business. So that was really my first test of, okay, like, you got to go all in uh, on your dream, and you got to really believe that you can do it, you know, in your heart. But yeah, that was definitely my first taste of what it takes to be resilient because, you know, from there, then, then my career exploded. And I always thought back to that moment, like, how many people would have gone through that? How many would have, would have said, ah, you know, this, this is probably too tough or, eh, I don't know, $300 to live in LA forever. Like, I mean, it was, it was really conceptually, it was, it was the biggest sink or swim moment. It was like, okay you have to go make this happen because there is no fallback program. There's no other money. You have no job. You have nothing. Like you got one month at best to make this happen. And, you know, that turned into you know, 24 years. So <laughs> it worked out. Quite a story. <clears throat> Excuse me again. Quite a story. I feel like at times resilience because, you know, kind of talking about it in a macro sense, mm -hmm. but even in a micro sense for the business that you're in for a while, just sometimes where you just can't get it up and being able to come back from those situations. Look, I had a bad time or a bad day, be able to come back another time, be able to do it again. I feel it feels like your life to a degree was this continual battle, this continuous resilient day, resilient day, especially if you had a bad one, then to be able to come back retain your confidence and can you kind of talk about how that was the day-to-day resilient oh yeah well i can i can speak about one particular moment right where it was it was resiliency and it was it was really a belief moment for me i was in dominican republic with with my good friend um mike john and i was working for him so we had gone to this kind of private island we were shooting the scene. And I mean, everything was going against us that day. 
he was told there's going to be a lot of shade there. There wasn't, there wasn't any, except when we went into the bushes. And when we went in to where these bushes were, the ground was littered with these little spherical barbs. So literally, I just laid down on the barbs and had all these little barbs stuck in my back and we're doing the scene. I mean, he had to pick them out later. So it's like, okay, I can do this. We're in the middle of nowhere. We have to get the job done. So off we go. Then it's time for the pop shot. He decides to move the girl um, into the water, you know, so she's, you know, kind of maybe up to her lower waist in the water because, you know, it's Caribbean water. It's beautiful. The sun's out. Hey, this is going to be, this is going to look great. And um, so we go, we go for the, the, the pop shot and um, she moves and the whole camera whites out because he had the exposure set specifically for one angle. Mm-hmm. So we see nothing, right? So, okay, that's gone. And he, and he just, I remember he just turned his head and he just kind of, kind of looks at me because he knows me pretty good. And he's like, hey, Everhart, can you do another? I just kind of looked at him. I said, yeah, yeah, okay. Give me, give me a couple of minutes here. So, you know, a couple of minutes go by. I'm like, okay, you ready? He's like, yeah, ready. Okay, go. Number two, this is within probably, let's call it probably six minutes or something. Six, seven minutes. Number two goes, and I see this look of absolute horror on his face. And he pulls off his hat, throws it on the ground, starts stamping up and down. And I just hear this big shrill fuck i was on pause oh yeah yeah imagine me right imagine me imagine the girl so and it was one of those moments like i could just see he, he was terrified you know we come all the way here it's like how could this happen and i remember i just looked at him and i said i he remembers the words exactly i said mike don't worry get me my lube and he, he was just like, I remember he ran onto the shore. He was grabbing the bottle. He's coming there. I'm like, and it was the same thing. It was like, okay, this is like, I have to make this happen. Because everything is riding on this moment. And it was really just, okay, I really went into the focus, focused on the sensations, blocked out everything. And yeah, about another five minutes later, there was number three. And we caught that one on camera. Okay. So <laughs> wasn't wasn't the biggest in the world, I'm going to be honest. But it was there and we had it. And that's all that mattered. Um, and yeah, it was really this, this whole idea that I can't let him down. I can't let everybody down. And I know it's possible. Like I really knew, okay, this is possible. I can do this if I focus, right? Now, I guess to anybody you're watching or listening, if you're a guy listening to this uh, or seeing this, you would imagine the reason, and I'm lucky enough to be talking to Eric, is because I got a porn star and I'm going to talk to him about it. What we're really we're talking about is the book that he's written, which is Unleash Your Sexual Superpowers, A Porn Star's Guide to Sexual Mastery. So, and I've been getting into it and I'm probably going to finish it after we speak. It's it's a really easy read. And it's, I'm a guy and you, to a degree, you're talking about sex and like, I'll mm-hmm. read that all day. It's pretty simple, but that's not really what it's about. That's kind of what it's about. That's what I'm gathering. That's the, maybe the setting, but it's not really. So what I wanted to get into, you're talking about pressure and a lot of things that you deal with in the business that you are in. You work with men. 
Mm-hmm. How are you, and maybe this is too, I don't know, too direct a question, but how, when you speak to men, do you talk to them about resiliency in the workplace, in the job? You know, how do you deal with the struggle, the pressure, all this going on? For you, it was, you know, people got to get paid. But if I'm a CEO, if I'm a project manager, it's the same thing. We got to get this done. And these employees have to get paid. And that guy's wife wants this car or these kids need to go to soccer practice or all these things. So how are you able to harness that? What is it? And you don't have to give all the trade secrets, but what do you say to a man to kind of relate what you did to what they do now and how to succeed? Well, you know, first off, what I'm going to do is I'm going to break down what they're doing already, because a lot of it is simply bad technique, bad tactics, bad form, you know, bad strategy. You know, it's something that I talk with guys a lot about as I say, look, you really do have to strategize things in terms of your positioning, your environment, you got to set yourself up for success. Because one of the big problems that I see guys do is, you know, they'll, they'll train for a marathon, right? They'll train for a fight. They'll train for everything. Won't train for the bedroom. Oh man, I'm just going to go in there with zero training of any kind. I'm going to be Tom Brady and they're not right. You know, and it's in, when we start to look at it through that lens, it's like, come on, like even, even the goat, Tom Brady, I mean, he's not riding the pine for 16 weeks, you know, bucks get in the Super Bowl by magic. And after not having thrown a ball for six months, he's like, yo, coach, put me in. I'm ready. No, it's like he, he does his preseason. He's been training before preseason. Then they have the reps. Then so come that Super Bowl moment, he is ready to go. He is going to perform as good as he possibly can. And you know, it's the same thing in the bedroom, right? Like you, you need to go in being able to have done your penis exercises. You need to go in having taken your supplements. You need to go in having trained your mind. You have to go in there understanding what positions are going to work, what ones are not going to work and what can get you to the elusive five minute marker. You have to go in there with these things. And so I break down for guys. I say, okay, well, what have you been doing? They'll usually tell me, and we start with that. We say, okay, okay, now let's change what you've been doing. Let's change, you know, not only your mindset, let's put in strategies and tactics that you can use to, rather than go down a negative spiral, things that can create a positive feedback loop in your mind, right? That's where I come at them with the hint of blood phenomenon, because there are things that you can do to hack your mind that can then give you agency, allow the pressure to come down. You know, you can lose the albatross of performance. You can kind of get into that flow state and be able to, you know, just enjoy the sexual interaction. You now understand the tools that are going to work on getting women off. So you're not going in there blind saying, you know, well, I tried something with, Susie and it worked. But then, you know, when I was dating Janet, I tried the same thing. It didn't work. It's like, no, no, no. We got to go higher level than that. Because when you're at the highest level, now you can see what's going to work across all of them because the principles never change, but the application of those principles do. 
And so that's where guys get it wrong is they're trying to apply things the same on every girl. And it's like, no, 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 we got to change the application, but the principles are still the same. So, yeah, I mean, when it, when it comes to, when it comes to guys, that's sort of where I would start, you know, talking to them and kind of breaking things down. Do you find that a man who eventually has real confidence in his relations with women, it's easy to take that confidence and take it out of the bedroom and take it into the boardroom? Is a man who's feeling good about himself at home in that room a beast outside, or is there still work to be done after? I think it's one of the most core level things that you can do, in my opinion. I think it translates because, I mean, I've definitely seen guys that can have everything else going, working for them. And they don't have that. And it gnaws at them. You know, because it's such a, such a piece of our masculinity. I mean, even, even if we step back and just, just look at guys. Like I remember, okay, grade 11, biology class. This is how clearly I remember it. And some guy in the class starts talking about dick size. Well, oh my God, does the comparison just start? And I mean, you know, the first guy's like, oh, oh man, I got eight inches. I'm in porno and hardly any, any guys have eight inches. Okay. Like, I mean, it was like looking back, it was the most ludicrous discussion ever. I mean, I don't know if these guys are measuring from their assholes or what, but I mean, the first guys, oh, yeah, I got eight inches. Oh, I, mean, I got eight and a half, nine over here. Right. Like, <laughs> But, but that gives you a sense of how this sexually, sexuality matters to men, right? Like it's, it's such a driving force. I mean, you look at the guys, they want to be successful and they want the car, they want the watch, they want this. And it's like, and they're all doing it to get pussy. Like most of them at the end of the day, that's why there's all this flash and this other stuff. You know, it's like, it's that hierarchical dance on, you know, who's going to be the top dog because the top dog is going to get the top chick, right? And because otherwise, you know, a lot of us guys would be like, huh, let's watch some football today, have some Cheetos, right? Like, life's good, right? And, and you, when you look also at one of the things that really does affect guys too is that, right? They get married. It's like, okay, well, now I get some sex. I got this. I'm just going to let myself fall apart, have dad bod and, you know, let it all go. And then if, when the girl leaves, then they're sitting there going, what happened? Right. It's like, well, okay, well, you stopped being that guy that, that she fell in love with, right. The guy that was the go-getter, the guy that was in shape, the guy that was out there doing things. So, you know, that's, uh, that's, that's, that's part of it right there. When you hit that upper echelon in, you know, in the porn field, did you become a different man? Yes, for good and for bad. Um, and it's really been a sort of a different roller coaster, actually, when I look back at my career, because, you know, I remember when I started, I was super humble. Um, and then, you know, you, after a while, you start to see where you really are. It's not that I, I didn't get, I didn't stay humble, but I definitely understood my power as well. And, um, 
you know, and, 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 and I understood that I would intimidate guys, you know, and that was, that was clear. You could see that too. Sometimes where if there was a new guy and he'd get put beside me, you know, because from my perspective, it's like, we're working. Right. I'm not waiting for you. Get your shit together. Right. I would be a little, <laughs> I'd be a little bit of an asshole like that. Like I'm not waiting, man. Like I want to go. So, and the thing was they knew I'd be ready. That was the thing. Right. So that again, it becomes that, that pressure cooker. Um, you know, and then as, as things went on, like I said, you know, for me over the course of the years, I just think I really started to understand who I was and to be okay with it. And also to really, to really just, um, embrace who I was really, um, because I, be, I became so relaxed with it. It's like, okay, you know, here's how sexuality works. And there's no bravado. There's no like, uh, I'm the greatest person. It's just like, you know, I know what I'm doing here. You know, so it was, it was one of those things where, because I've seen it with fighters, right? Like, I remember there was a guy I did a little training with in Los Angeles, a British guy. Um, and he was a... a he trained in, in Russian Sistema. I've probably never met somebody who was a bigger ass kicker in my entire life, like scary kind of skills. Um, and when you met him, like he'd come out to like, you know, a bar for some wine or whatever. He was the quietest guy you'd ever meet. Wouldn't even be talking about like, never once would he mention who he was, what he did, what his skills were. And I'm just kind of laughing because I know who he is, right? And I'm just like, man, he could kill everybody in this bar <laughs> twice over. Like, like I'm fucking terrified of him. And, it, you know, but it was just it was just who he was, right? It's not, not like you have to go out there and show, you know, I think money's the same thing. You know, when, when you've met people that are really wealthy, uh, they're not there showing it. They don't really care. It's like, it's just... Hey, I have money. Hey, I have skills with women. Hey, I have skills beating people up. It's just, it's just part of who you are. And so then it becomes something that you integrate and it's not something you're trying to show off anymore. So for me, the, the show off period, you know, there was a little time where it was like, oh yeah, this is cool what I do. But then it's like, no oh, man, it's just, it's something I'm good at and that's it. I've heard, uh, and I guess I'll paraphrase it, that a dangerous man is a good man. In other words, a man who's dangerous but can control it is a really good man. I don't know if you've heard some variation or something like that. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. Jordan you, Peterson. Yeah, exactly. I knew it. Yeah, could his name. I could. What do you think of that phrase? Because you deal with men. When you hear that, what do you relate to that? Is it true? Is it just talk? What do you think for obviously? Yeah, I think it's, you know, I mean, when when you look at it, it's, it's the the dangerous guy that that can control that, right? Um, and I think there's a lot of truth to that because I know when you start looking at at guys and and when you look at your your friends, right? You if you were to simply ask yourself the question like, if the shit hits the fan right now, do I want this guy on my team? That's kind of really the way I think you kind of look at it, right? Like, right. do I want this guy on my team? 
Like if, if, if push comes to shove, um, and that'll give you your answer to that question. Okay. Because, you know, with somebody that's, that's, that's not dangerous, that, that isn't willing to go to battle with you, that's a liability now if, if there's ever a real problem, right? So, you know, we can, we can, we can live in a kumbaya peaceful world and, and then everything's okay, but that's not how the world really works, right? Something always can go wrong and you just want to know that, hey, you know, is this guy that I'm in the trenches with, is he, is he not going to let me down? And I think that's also kind of a good way for men to look at, at friendships too, because, you know, you, you're better off having a few close friends where you know, you know, hey, this guy's got my back, then you got a hundred people that'll leave you in the dust at a moment's notice. Mm-hmm. And we see that happen, you know, all the time, right? Mm-hmm. I talk to a lot of men and because the talking is the important thing and not to say that what the men are saying isn't important, but the action, the fact that you're talking is really what I go for. A lot of times I'll just ask a man straight up, a variation of what you kind of something what you just said do you have a friend is there a guy right now that you could call and say i did some dumb shit like something really stupid that i shouldn't have done and i know it was dumb do you have a friend that you feel safe enough to tell him that you did this dumbness and know that when the conversation is done i let it out i'm okay and he's not going to blab it to the world a lot of men don't have that a level of safety to be myself where my dick size isn't the point. My mm-hmm. job isn't the point is just my existence is the point. So since we kind of mentioned that, do you? Do oh you yeah. Have yeah. I got a, I got a number. I can think of three guys right now that I would call that I call all the time about stuff like that. Yeah. And, and it's, it's so important because I've been in men's groups before and now, I know sometimes you'll get women that are like, hey, why aren't we allowed in the men's group? And it's like, look, things change. You get one woman in a men's group and men talk differently, whether they are conscious of it or not. Yep. They will not either talk about certain things, they'll change the language they use, or they will hold back from sharing if there's just one woman in there. So it's you know, it is really when you're amongst men, if you if you can be around the right men, it really is a safe space because now you can be probably the most authentic version of yourself, or at least a really authentic version where you're no longer fearful that that you're going to be judged by a female. And if you're in, you know, a company of men that are your peers, you look up to, you respect, they respect you, then they're going to either help to bring you up or at least they're going to call you on your bullshit. And so either way you're winning, right? Cause they're not looking to put you down, but they're going to say, Hey man, you're being a pussy right now, right? Man up. Or they're going to say, okay, you know, I see your struggle. Here's some advice or here's my opinion because I've gone through something similar and maybe here's how you can come out on the other end of it. Or if you just want to talk about it, all right, let's just rap about it. You know, and that's useful too. Cause I've had, you know, I've had a lot of guys where they just want someone to talk to. 
And even, you know, when you're coaching, right? Like what I do, you know, the, the biggest thing I think about coaching is, well, you got to meet the client where they are, you know? So, so I got to start there and say, okay, well, where are you at right now? Because if I'm just, you know, pretending that you are the next Eric Everhard and you can do all these things where right now you're just trying to, you know, trying to get it up or just trying to get your significant other off or just trying to whatever, well, we got to go there. Um, and then I got to see how far I can bring you along towards where I'm at. Okay. I skipped the I, I saved that for the last part of the prize mantra. We'll go to Z. The word is zeal, enthusiastic devotion. So we're going to put business and to a degree family aside, because I want a little something different. Putting those two things aside, what are you enthusiastically devoted to? Oh, man, I would say learning. Learning is one of the things that I've always been really devoted to because I'm one of those guys, like once I got down the, let's call it the self-development path, you know, because for me, you know, if we go back, it started for me in 2009. Uh, yeah, 2009, 2008, 2009, I took a relationship workshop that was run by a Bulgarian guy that I knew, and it totally changed my life. Like I wasn't relating to women how I wanted. Um, I realized I had a lot of walls up, just a lot of things. And when I did that weekend course, somebody had mentioned about this thing called NLP. And I'm like, NLP, what's that? Oh, neuro-linguistic programming. And so I looked into it, I'm like, oh, this sounds interesting. And I asked some people, I said, oh, well, where's, where's a good place to go learn this? And they all told me, well, the best place in the country we know of is in Northern California. Well, well, I want the best. So I went there and I continued to go there for three years, got my master's level certification. And it was unlike any process that I was expecting. It was really just a peeling back of the onion of emotions and traumas and belief systems and everything. And when I was done, you know, I, I came out another person and, and I was now fully committed to personal development and learning. And then after that, I started doing some work with uh, plant medicines. So I did, uh, I did some spiritual journeys with ayahuasca that gave me just another level of insight, knowledge, um, understanding about myself and it's been a progression ever since. So for me, yeah, it's the, it's the never ending quest to be the best version of myself I can be, or at least figure myself out because if I figure myself out, I can help other guys figure themselves out. Have you figured yourself out now? Almost there. Not fully there. I don't know if the, I don't know if it ever ends, to be honest, because here's the thing. Every time, every time I've succeeded, I get to some level. I'm like, okay, now I understand this. Then you just see the ladder out in front of you. And it's like, oh, oh, wow. Now there's more. <laughs> okay. Let's keep climbing. Mm -hmm. so I don't know that it ever ends. I think the fact that it doesn't end or, or that we think maybe one day we could catch it is what keeps us going forward. I'd like that question because I, I wonder, I mean, I know we change. We're in a constant state of change. We're not the same person we were yesterday or the year before. Experiences, life will change us. So mm -hmm. 
if I ever really figured out who I was, I'd feel like I'm kind of set. I'm sitting in this one box and I'm not moving. I'm not doing anything different. I don't want to, I don't want to really figure myself out. I want to get close, but then maybe something changes and then, oh, that's something new. I don't know. Is that, is that part of what you do with men? This letting well, you know what they always say. Satisfaction is the death of desire. Mm. Mm. I like that. Okay. You know, and I think it's very true, right? It's like, as soon as we are quote unquote satisfied, we just kind of give up. So I think, I think as men, that's part of the thing. And that's part of the burden is like, okay, well, can you stay hungry? And can you stay hungry always looking for whatever the next thing is, right? And that just keeps propelling you forward, whether it's in business, whether it's in life, whether it's in relationships, whether it's in family, but where can you see that, that next piece where maybe you are unsatisfied that now you're like, okay, this is giving me forward momentum. Um, I think that's useful. The last letter in the word prize, it is E, the word is expectation, a strong belief that something will happen or be the case in the future. So let's, we'll phrase the question this way. Let's say you are working with a man. Mm -hmm. And in this case, it's this man and he's trying to become the man he was meant to be in the mm -hmm. bedroom. What is your expectation of this man maybe when he's completed his time with you? Now, it could be an obvious thing like now he's a beast in the bedroom and she won't leave and she won't let him leave either. But is there a more meta, a more base? What is the expectation you have for this man when all is said and done, when you've trained him, talked with him? Mm -hmm. Yeah, my expectation is that he's got all the tools in the toolbox to be able to pull out at any time that he needs for whatever situation now is in front of him in the bedroom. Does it mean he'll be successful every time? No. But does he have the tools and does he understand how he can use the different tools? Absolutely. And that comes back to that, you know, conscious mastery piece, right? It's like when you go into a, let's just take, for example, you go into a sexual situation and you know, you're feeling the urge, you've started having sex and you're a minute in, you're like, oh man, I'm, I'm on the edge here. Well, before most guys, they freak out. They don't know what to do. It just goes. Well, now that doesn't happen because you go, okay, well, right off the top, I got seven different tools. Which one am I going to pick from? Oh, let's, let's try tool number one, see what it does, right? Oh, look, we lasted another 30 seconds, another minute. Okay. Now the urge is coming back on. Oh, Ah, tool number three, let's go try that thing out. Oh man, I just got myself another three minutes. Okay. Oh, well, let's go to this, this different position. Well, what if we um, use this way to not only change our depth, but change our angle? Um, what other things can we do, right? So you start going through all the tools and now the world opens up to you. Whereas before the guy, the world was closed because he got into a situation didn't have the tools, didn't have the knowledge. And he just goes, it's, it's hopeless. You know, that's where the mind always goes like, Oh, woe is me. You know, I can't, I can't last longer than 30 seconds. It's like, no, man, you can, you can, you just don't know how. And that's what I want to give them. So when things are done, they have the toolkit, they have the toolbox and they got the knowledge. Off of what you just said, 
does it take away from the enjoyment if while you're trying to do this act in your head you've got these tools when you're at the brink of it being over can you be doing this recognize where you are oh wait a minute but i can do this does your mind wandering to try to bring it back does it affect how much enjoyment you have or does it become more mechanical because now you're trying to do these using these tools to succeed to try to get the woman off no it doesn't affect the enjoyment actually it increases it because again it comes back to you know you really feel that you have total control over everything you know so it's this it's it gives you this sense of complete calm you know it's like you know imagine Imagine, you know, you're Mike Tyson going into a fight and you've been training and you, you know exactly how to duck, how to weave, how to bob, how to do everything, you know, in this battle, right? You, you suddenly feel like you're almost unstoppable, you know, and if you were just some guy, you go into some street fight, you're untrained and you're just like, I don't know what's going on. So really it, it adds from my perspective, it really adds to it because you know, well, you know how to control yourself. So now you can choose, well, is this going to be, what, what's the, because now you get access to creation. You can create the mood. You can create the type of sex. You can create the type of woman she's going to be that evening. You can create how long it's going to be, how short it's going to be, what the intensity is going to be. Now you're in control of everything. So you can really create the night for the woman and for yourself. Whereas if you didn't have all that and you're unable to now there's no creation instead it's just well let's see what happens and i'd much rather be painting a masterpiece than be staring at a blank canvas hoping that it paints itself i hear that the last letter in the word prize is the one in the middle. It is I, and it doesn't represent a word. It doesn't spell one. What it represents is the man I'm speaking with. So for a moment here, and we'll try to throw off the shackles, all the titles that are thrust upon us. So mm -hmm. if you are not an adult film star, director, producer, author, husband, father, best friend, all these things, when it is just you, mm -hmm. at your core, who are you? Oh, man. I am the nicest, most giving guy that you could ever know. Yeah. I'm humble. Um, I let you know where, where you stand with me. And I really just completely wear my heart on my sleeve for good or for bad. So. Yeah, that's who I am. I like it. I like it. Thank you for answering the questions in the prize mantra. I appreciate that. So at the beginning, we talked about, at least I mentioned masculinity and why I mm -hmm. wanted to talk to you. Masculinity has shifted. The definition of what it meant to be a man 50, 60, 70 versus now, entirely different. But it, our sexual prowess, I feel like, is something that's always been at the center of it. How much of a man are you? How much can you please a woman? What can you do in the bedroom? On you, within your experience and the time that you were in the business to the time you are now helping men, has sexual prowess, is the importance in masculinity, has it changed? Has it increased? 
diminished? Is it the is it stack? Is it the same place? What do you think? What's the place of our sexual prowess in masculinity today? Oh, so I think when we look at sort of how the world has changed, it's actually increased. And what I mean by that is, you know, if we look at how take the last 60 years, how things have changed and, you know, everybody's moving towards, you know, this, this concept of equality, which really doesn't exist, right? Because men and women are, are different. You, know, you can't, it's like comparing apples to oranges, right? So we can't say that they're equal. And that's one of the problems also that ends up coming into relationships because, you know, as David Data talks about, you, you lose the polarity, right? So it's like, you got a guy in his masculine polarity, a woman in her feminine polarity. Those are the ones that are having sex. As soon as you start really coming into the middle and becoming this androgynous, you know, mix, well, now you're just kind of buddies. Buddies watch Netflix, but they don't Netflix and chill. And you see this happening all the time within marriages, right? Where like the spark is gone and they just become roommates. And that's problematic. So when I think about masculinity, it's it's harder for men because now it's one of the main things that they're providing. You know, you're no longer being looked to provide uh, a paycheck or provide a home. I mean, those things still matter, but not like before. Now it's like, well, what can you provide as far as excitement? What can you provide as a lover? What can you provide as a partner? Um, what can you provide as a relationship? You know, where's this love? So I think it's, it's almost become more in some ways romance related than it is sort of provider related. And I mean, you know, if you're going to really have a successful relationship, you need to be able to at some point embody pieces of each. But I've, I've always said, and it's something that I talk about with guys um, in terms of your sexual performance, you can get away with a hell of a lot. You know, and I, I don't, it, it's, it's just factual because I've experienced it. I've seen it. You know, if you're good in bed, you can get away with a hell of a lot that you wouldn't be able to do it any other way. Yes, sir. Right? Like suddenly, you know, the fact that, you know, hey, maybe, you know, the dishes are in the sink or this is going on or that's going on or your finances are kind of going down or who knows if she's having, you know, five orgasms every night on command at will. She's, <laughs> she's letting it all slide, buddy. She's letting it slide. And I'm, I'm just talking real here. Yes. So it, it, it is a, not in a Machiavellian sense, but it is a soft form of power that you have as a man, right? Because you are a unicorn, right? Like a lot of guys out there are struggling. They don't know what to do. They don't have the skills. They can't last long enough. And, you know, I've heard over and over, you know, I'd, I'd hear the girls that would lament on the, the state of the nation, if we're going to call it that, mm -hmm. right? So when you, when you have a society where it no longer matters necessarily what you can provide, then now what you have to provide is something in the bedroom, 
And so that's why I think it's, it's a more important than ever. And women are looking for it more than ever, simply because they have the option now. Do you get a lot of women looking for you to give advice to their man? You know, that's fascinating because I've had some women that will reach out and they'll, they'll ask me like, Hey, you know, how do I approach this? Because it's, it's tough for guys, right? You know, I mean, our, I would always say, you know, if we were to compare it to, with women, our egos are way more fragile, way more fragile. And, and, and women exploit that too, right? Like, you know, you do anything that somebody doesn't like immediately there, you're, you're labeled, oh, you know, it's just because you have a small dick or you this, or you like they go after the dick size thing really fast. If they're going to try and, um, you know, put you down or really stab a hole in your heart. Um, so, you know, they know that for good or for bad as men, we are really attached to our ability to perform and, and, and it's part of who we are in our sense of masculinity. So, you know, I think, um, I think it's stuff out there, but you know, for the guys, it's really, you got to step back and you got to know who you are and you got to be confident and you got to be above all, you got to be competent because I, I hear guys all the time that will say, well, how do I get confident? And I remember a, a coach that I worked with over a couple decades, well, 15 years ago now. And he said, you know, confidence is an after effect. Nobody is born confident, right? We get confident because we become competent. You know, it's like you do something enough times. Well, now you can predict the outcome, right? So it's like, you know, you step up to anything, you're scared and you're probably going to screw up and you're going to screw up a bunch and then you're going to stick with it and then you get good and you get better. And then you're like, oh, wow, I'm just, you know, I can do this with my eyes closed, right? Now you're really confident because you can predict somewhat how the outcome is going to be. And you also know how you're going to be able to respond to it. So I think that's the, the, the big piece is guys have to understand that, you know, if you're going to gain confidence, it's only going to come after you have competence. And that competence is really going to come from understanding the hows and the whats. Right. You need to know how things work and you need to know what to do. Okay. You kind of answered my last question, but I'll throw it at you anyway. Sure. Um, in lieu of finding you and I guess using your services and working with you, if we just have a regular guy who is in a relationship or isn't in a relationship, but is struggling in that area in his life, if there's any bit of advice of regular advice that you could give a man to help him in that area because when you're not good there it always seems to trickle down in terms of everything your confidence lacking there it can affect everything what advice could you give to a man some basic advice if he's not good there what would you tell him well first thing i would say is your level of focus is going to dictate everything right because your level of focus is going to dictate what you can feel that's working on her. You know, you're going to be able to feel what her clit is telling you that is working and what is not. Um, you are going to be able to zero in on actions rather than being in your head. Um, and you're going to be able to understand when your body is on the verge of 
when you're going to come or not, and when you can move, change things in advance so that it's not a problem. So, you know, the, the, there's a kind of saying that um, I think it was, was originally from, from Dan Pena, but the guy who stays focused the longest wins. And I always say, you know, it, it's the same thing in the bedroom. You know, like the, the guy who stays focused the longest is the one that's going to be able to get a woman off. And it's really your ability to stay focused because when you lose focus and now you get inside your head, you start having those stories run. Well, now you're not feeling what you're doing, right? It's like the, the lie of multitasking. Nobody can multitask. They jump between two things really fast. Well, if you're jumping between two or five or whatever things, when you're trying to get a girl off, how's it going to work? Right? It's like now you're feeling what you should be feeling working here. Oh, no, now I'm going to be in my thoughts and I'm going to think about this. And then I'm going to, you know, have all these thoughts about other stuff's going on. And now I hear a noise outside. So I'm going to focus on that. And then, oh, oh, wait, but there's this pussy. Let's go back to that now. I mean, then you wonder why these women are like, oh, God, this is not happening. Right? So, yeah, focus is key. And, and that's where it starts. Right? And once you have good focus, now you build upon proper techniques, then you build on ways to biohack your body, and now you can really start to create a package. Right. Excellent. It's been a pleasure, Eric. I appreciate the time. I appreciate you. No, thank you, man. This was awesome. Um, now, for anybody, oh, and obviously we were talking about your book here, Unleash Your Sexual Superpowers, A Porn Star's Guide to Sexual Mastery. Is this book out and available for purchase or is it coming? Or Yeah, so the book has been out for a long time. I actually am switching uh, publishers right now, so it's not available right this second, but I have a second book coming out within the next few months as well. Okay. And also right now, uh, if guys go to my website, I have a free offer that'll give them the six secrets to last longer in the bedroom. And they can just go to www.ericeverhard.com slash secrets. All right. That's secrets. Excellent. I appreciate the time. Thank you so much very much for doing this. Men, great episode. Sometimes we can get, you know, we can just get right to the basic stuff. Sometimes we just want to please our woman and just make her feel good. And sometimes we're not sure we can do it. I think that is a microcosm for life. There's things we want to accomplish and we don't feel like we can get them done. Focus is key. Just like Eric said, focus on what you want to get done. That's where it starts. Thank you to Kristen McGriff. She does my intro and my outro. Great voice bringing it in. Great voice getting us out. Thank you to Eric. Thank you for all the listeners and the watchers of Men of the Prize, the podcast where your inner monologue is revealed. Have a good one. I'll see you next week. Hi, it's Harvey here. Obviously your host for Men of the Prize. I hope you enjoyed watching or listening to that last episode. I just wanted to take a minute and tell you about something really exciting that's about to happen. Um, in about a month, from when I'm recording this, January the 7th, I'm going to be a part of something fantastic. It is called Men Surviving the Thriving Virtual Conference. As you know, I am part of the NGBN.TV group. It is a space dedicated to issues for men 40, 50, and 60 years old, but also younger and older men too. 
So this conference is going to be amazing because one, like I mentioned, it's virtual, but what it's going to be is a space for your issues, your concerns, your struggles, everything that you deal with to be dealt with in a space just for you. This is a time for you to listen to all the great content providers besides myself who have gone through a lot of the issues that you have gone through. And we're going to talk about it. We're going to open up. We're going to be emotional. We're going to be vulnerable. And we're going to give you tools to help you to make 2023 the best year of your life. This space is for you, for nobody else. When was the last time there was something, anything created, any event created for you, for your mental health? Well, that's what this is, the virtual men's conference. Like I said, January 7th is when it gets started. The link is in the comments. I want you to take a look and see everything that you're going to get. It starts that day. It is, I believe, 10 a.m. to 3 p.m. That's central time. You're going to get a nice keynote speak, and then you're going to get a bunch of us content creators talking. So you're going to get me, have a presentation. I'm going to talk to you. We have other people going to be talking to you. You can look through and find the person that resonates with you, and then you can listen in, you can learn, and you can feel fulfilled and helped. So I want you to take a look at the link below. It is $179 for this event. But the discount of $20 you get if you use my code, which is PRIZE10. No dots in between, just the word PRIZE, P-R-I-Z-E-10. And you can see everything that you get. And it's not just that day, not just that five hours. This goes past this. This goes for weeks. You get access to us, and all of that content will be available for six months afterwards. So take a look at the link in the, com in the comments. Sign up. Use my code PRIZE10, you get a $20 discount, and I'll see you there with a lot of other great men who are going to learn, who are going to grow, who are going to be better, and we're going to have a fantastic 2023, and then we're going to become the prizes that we're meant to be. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to the Men Are The Prize podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to follow Harvey on the gram at Men of Zealous Nature or on Twitter at Men Zealous. Have a great week and never forget, you are a man and you are the prize.